We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. What's good, Knicks Nation? Alex Terrace here, a.k.a. the Tratocaster, with you on this check-in. We got my guy, Evan Damerell, with us today. He writes all things Cleveland over right down Euclid. A nice newsletter that he's got going on. You can also find him over at Fear the Sword and Walked on Cavs. We got Evan on today to discuss the matchup between the New York Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers that we got on Sunday. So, before you do it, before we get into all of it, make sure to hit that thumbs-up button for your boys. All right, make sure to subscribe, hit that notification bell. But Evan, let's get into this, man. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's still, you know, obviously early into the NBA season so far, but Sunday's game between Cleveland and New York is going to be a fun one. And, you know, there's going to be a cloud of the Donovan Mitchell intrigue above it all. But at the end of the day, like this is going to be a really good basketball game. It is going to be a really good basketball t- game. We got both teams are doing really well to begin the season. Knicks are 3-1. and one. And how are the Cavs doing on their side? They're they're three and one on uh, and one, aren't they? Or, or or am I mistaken? Yeah, they are three and one as of we're recording this. They play Boston tonight in Boston, so that could change. They could be three and two. Um, they also could be four and one heading into Sunday's game. So a lot could happen between now and then. But yeah, they're three and one and on a pretty hot streak, considering uh, Darius Garland hasn't played much, if at all, this season so far. Yeah, man, and so. Without without Garland starting off, you know, you have a big four uh, for this team. So how's life been with Donovan Mitchell so far? You know, I have to ask that question right off the rip, man. How's it been that you got him? Were let me let me ask all the, let me ask all these questions. Was it surprising that you got him? Did you have a feeling that you were gonna get him? What was the whole feeling with Cavs country right now that they got Donovan Mitchell on that team? 
It, it was definitely surprising. Uh, you and I were kind of talking about this before we hit record. Um, it felt like a foregone conclusion for the longest time that the uh, Knicks were just going to acquire Donovan Mitchell. He even said as such uh, during his intro presser where he kind of assumed, yeah, I, I was going to end up being playing for the Knicks. But as we now know, just from everybody breaking it down from every angle, the Knicks and the Jazz talked a lot about it, and they walked away from discussions, and the Cavs just were kind of opportunistic and made an offer Utah felt like they couldn't refuse with Larry Markkinen, who they – believe from what I've heard is going to be kind of a key piece for them, especially with one, him playing so well to start the season, they kind of reaffirm that. But two, there's always going to be an intrigue with a seven footer who can shoot three, shoot three pointers and rebound. And there's also Colin Sexton aspect and the draft picks and the draft pick swaps as well. And Ochai Abaji, who hasn't played a second for the jazz so far, I believe is pretty intriguing as well, but it, it was definitely surprising. And like Donovan Mitchell, I found out. I saw the Woj bomb from a golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't run around <laughs> and scream. I was more so scrambling for work and just like, crap, who, who is this real? Is this actually happening? And I had to confirm it on my own end and then kind of had to piece it together. And I was actually golfing with my dad that day. And I said, we're about, we're actually wrapping up and we're going to grab lunch. And I just said like, hey, I got to go. And he's like, why? I'm like, work stuff. Like, my brain's just melting at this point because I'm, like, trying to process all the information <laughs> that's coming in and, like, compress it and explain it to my family simply so it doesn't turn into, like, 300 questions where they're like, well, what's going on? What does this mean? All that stuff. But in the long-term view, um, it, it's been great so far. Donovan has been awesome on the court. He's been awesome off the court. He is just an interesting guy in general. And you can see the fit between him and Garland work a little bit the preseason. You wish you could see more of it during the regular season, but the Cavs have had to lean heavily on him to start the year. And I have his averages in front of me. He I mean he's averaging almost 29 points, five rebounds, seven assists, two steals, and about 38 minutes per game. And he's shooting 44.3% from the field. He is the offensive hub for the Cavs right now. And you're just now kind of waiting to see if like when Darius Garland comes back, can they still kind of be balanced and let Donovan Mitchell be as effective as he is out there? So is there a time frame for when Darius Garland is going to come back? So for those who may not know, he got he had his inner eyelid on his left eye, I believe, scratched by Gary Trent Jr. on kind of a reckless defensive play. And his eye more or less swelled shut that night. He went back to Cleveland, had it evaluated, and there's no structural damage, no surgery required, which, you know, it's a a big bullet dodge for your franchise point guard. And Mm -hmm. at shoot-around on Wednesday, prior to the game against the Magic, Garland was seen out there wearing goggles, trying to do shot, put up shots of Kevin Love and just figure out the balance there. And he was ruled out for Friday's game against Boston and Bickerstaff or sorry, J.B. Bickerstaff has just been progressing or slowly updating us saying that Darius is progressing, he's going to get better, but they're going to make sure his eye is bright, make sure he's fully healthy and, you know, comfortable and able to see out of both eyes because you can still see it's pretty swollen even though he's able to open it. And J.B. said that they have to sometimes hold it open to see if it opens, but he'll be wearing protective goggles when he comes back. I think possibly the earliest he could return is Sunday against New York, but it wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland just airs on the side of caution and just kind of lets him rest and make sure he's fully comfortable out there. So we'll see. So he could come back. He could technically make his home debut um, on Sunday against the Knicks, but they can always kick the can down the line and wait till possibly Wednesday when they play again. Okay. And that night they'd be playing Boston, right? So they'd be having another game against Boston. Uh, That could be when Garland comes back. I mean, look, how's how? How have you felt about the the Cavs right now without Garland? Do you feel like they're still like 
you feel comfortable, even if he does miss extended amount of time, let's say he doesn't come back and they really just want to be as, as safe as possible. Do you think the Cavs are still in a good position because he's still got the Celtics, the Knicks, you got Detroit, LA, and uh, you got both LA teams coming up. How do you mm-hmm. feel about that without uh, Garland so far? I think they're doing pretty well without Garland so far. I mean, I'm, this is no slight against Darius. I think this offense obviously hits another level. Things unlock quite differently when you have your franchise point guard out there. I think you guys can kind of say that on the Knicks side of things with Jalen Brunson just being oh, a sure. threat. Just like having a guard who can set the table more often than not and just be that offensive hub. But again, Donovan Mitchell's just kind of on a tear and they the Cavs have ripped a lot of pages out of the Jazz's book on what made Donovan Mitchell so successful where they put shooters next to him. So you see a lot of lineups that feature Karis LeVert, Keaton Wade, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen on the start. And then you see a lot of Kevin Love. You see a lot of Jetty Osman. You see some Hollow Neto sometimes just to let um, Donovan Mitchell kind of rest and catch his breath a little bit. But you're running a lot of spread, pick, and roll. And it, it's been effective so far. I think Wednesday's game against the Magic saw some of the cracks where Mitchell just didn't have a good shooting night. And the Cavs were still able to kind of grind it out and win by playing to their other strength, which is Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And you're starting to see a little bit of balance out there offensively. It's not perfect. I think there's going to be off nights like that. And there could be a situation where the Cavs kind of burn themselves out a little bit because they're having to play at a higher level without Garland out there. But so far, they're 3-1. and one. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league, which is surprising because they're one of the worst last year, and especially the fact that they're like the 20, they shoot the 25th most three-pointers in the league, which is just mm. even more staggering in terms of efficiency. And they play incredibly slow because they have two seven-footers on the floor, and they sometimes look for fast-break opportunities, but they're solid defensively. They're actually second in defensive rating as of today, eighth in offensive rating in the league. So they're really balanced. They're a good team. They have a net rating. They're first in the league in that. So we'll see how it goes. Obviously, it's not going to be perfect. They could drop tonight's game against Boston. They could drop Sunday's game against New York and be three and three. But it's not really about the game to game stuff. It's more so being focused on the playoffs. And I think. Mm-hmm just winning games and kind of finding proper momentum and figuring out wrinkles about your offense and other things. It's, it's a good way to go about it. So, so far it's been good, but you got to kind of just keep watching how it's going because, you know, there's going to be nights where just things don't go your way and you lose like the game against Orlando, they could have lost and the magic could have gotten their first one in the season that night. So what would you say has been like the biggest surprise then from like watching this team play without Garland and what are you expecting from him? Like when he comes back, because as of right now, you talked about how you got Donovan Mitchell that's kind of shouldering the load for, for most of it because mm-hmm. of his scoring ability. But what do you see coming back once you get Garland, once it seems fully healthy? How long do you think it'll take for them to all click once Garland's back? Like, what do you, what do you think about that? That's, that's a good question because there's the Ricky Rubio factor and all of this too. I think him coming back is kind of going to expand things a little bit. I asked J.B. Bickerstaff about this during training camp, like ideally – rotation wise because he's always said like i want to have one of garland or mitchell on the floor at any given time for all 48 minutes of the game and i asked do you feel the same way it's your Allen and evan mobley and he kind of expounded upon it saying like there's four out of seven core guys at our rotation that we always own on the floor at any given moment and based on my estimation that's garland mitchell lavert mobley allen akoro love and osmond or no, sorry, Okoro, and, or sorry, Love and Osmond. And then that list expands to Ricky Rubio as well when he comes back. So to answer your question, I think it's going to take time. I I 
have my skepticism that it's going to click right away. Like Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland seem really tight off the floor. And like, they seem really close just in general. And Mm -hmm. you saw some of it really clicking against the Sixers in the preseason where you see Mitchell driving to the basket and Garland floats, Garland floats out to the perimeter and you, cause defenses just have to respect the lethality of those two on offense and they're playing off each other in harmony. And then, you also see some situations where they're playing a bit of buddy ball where it's my turn, your turn, and it just kind of kills the flow of the offense. So it's going to take time. When he comes back, I expect some bumpy, some just some bumpiness to it because Garland, at least when he was available against Toronto, was playing a little amped up and just looked sloppy out there and just a little inconsistent. But maybe closer to the all-star break, we'll start clicking a little bit. And again, the goal is not to win a championship this year. It's to make the playoffs for the first time since 97, 98 without LeBron. And like mm-hmm. where most of this roster wasn't alive when that happened. So you kind of get to that step and then level up from there. But once you bring Rubio back into the fold, I think you just got to kind of figure out what lineups work, what lineups don't work, what players work in certain situations. Like, Biggest surprise is like Isaac Coro is not a factor offensively, which is disappointing because you expect mm. some type of year three leap from him. Mm-hmm. And then you have guys like Jetty Osman, who is who pretty inconsistent, but the Cavs have kind of just compartmentalized him a little bit to say, like, we need you to shoot, sometimes give us some playmaking, and then just crash the glass when you can because you're a bigger forward. And you see Osman really vibing well off of the three-point gravity Donovan Mitchell kind of has, or just the gravity Mitchell has in general. Because whenever Mitchell drives to the basket, he is looking for shooters on the perimeter, and Osmond's a guy who finds himself pretty wide open. Karis LeVert finds himself pretty wide open. So just surprising in general, like how good this Cavs team is in terms of three-point shooting. Because J.B. Bickerstaff is a guy who tends to roll his eyes at analytics and just Mm kind of says, like, the league has fetishized the three-pointer and, like, games are more traditionally won in the paint and you impose your will on the interior. So I think you can take some pages from that, but add that touch of three-point shooting and you're much more of a normal NBA team at that point. So I think the shooting numbers will regress, but for sure so far it's been surprising and it can be a way they can really be effective against some teams that might kind of frustrate them on the interior because, again, Allen and Mitchell, or, or sorry, Allen and Mobley rather, are just monsters in their own right and you probably want to contain them and maybe just Derek leave them shoot you out of the game for sure and you know for the Knicks that's actually kind of been their bread and butter their shooting actually hasn't been that good they've been 24th they're actually 24th in three-point percentage right now with the amount of shots that they're taking as a three-point shooting team which hasn't been great they're 12 when it comes to the amount of attempts they're putting up but they're only shooting 33.1 percent so far four games into the season and I think for the Knicks where they've been very very successful was attacking the paint. And that's been, that's been shown because with Jalen Brunson, uh, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, Derek Rose, a lot of our guys are just able to, to attack and finish, especially Jalen. When you watch him play, he's got that footwork. Just, he's just so crafty. He can get, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're bigs, wings, whoever, just to get into the air and then can just, just, able to finish around the rim or just get that right now. It's been this side falling sideways, like sideways jumper that he's been able to knock down. It's just been wonderful. And Julius Randle, he come, he came in even better shape, willing to run the floor. We're seeing him drive as of right now, the Knicks are leading the league. Uh, actually, I should say they're second in the league with drives per game of 57.3 with OKC, OKC leading with 62.8 and the Pistons falling after the Knicks being third with 57.3. So the Knicks are going to attack and, and try to force 
Evan Mobley and Jarrett Allen to see if they can stop them. And it will be interesting considering with Jalen Brunson, what he's done and what we've seen, what he did in the playoffs against Rudy Gobert and just being able to attack him. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward if the Knicks are able to attack the Cleveland Cavaliers in that aspect on the defensive side. But mm-hmm. going back to you, like you, you talk about how Bickerstaff wants the game is one of the paint, right? And the, the Cavs are shooting so well from three. How do you feel like the distribution between the basketball has been with Donovan Mitchell, Jarrett Allen, and Evan Mobley? Because once Garland comes back, that's four guys. You really have a big four on your team. Yeah. That a lot of guys need to get touches to get going. Do you think that's like, I know you said it's going to take time for it to work out, but do you see a shift going where they're going to be focusing more on the paint, having Donovan Mitchell drive a bit more and try to get inside shots? Or just make sure that Evan Mobley and Jarrett Allen get their touches in, in the paint just so that way you get that high percentage shot to play that way that J.B. Bakerstaff is looking for. So that that's a really good question. And I think Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are both guards that thrive in pick and roll. And you have Jarrett Allen, who's a very good screen setter and is very good in the pick and roll and running to the basket and just is very effective with his limited touches. I believe I'm going to have to pull up their stats in front of me right now. but. Um, Jared Allen is averaging 9.5 field goal percentage per game, but still averaging 13.5 points per game and 11.5 rebounds. Evan Mobley is only taking 10 shots per game. And JB Bickerstaff said the other day that he wants to increase that. He wants Mobley to kind of be shooting more three pointers and just kind of showcasing his ability as an offensive hub and making him more of a three level threat. And also that spacing is just going to make Allen better. And the three-point shooting, I think more than anything, is just a product of the fact that teams kind of know that the Cavs last year tried to build that identity by attacking the interior and imposing their will on the inside and in the paint. And again, they're they're daring the Cavs to shoot it because statistically speaking, they weren't a good three-point shooting team last year outside of Kevin Love and Darius Garland. And then you have Donovan Mitchell, obviously, but like you're missing Garland. So it's Love and Mitchell as your primary threats. So it's going to be tricky. I think, like you said, you want them to get their shots and keep them involved in the offense. Um, I think having Darius Garland, just having a good existing chemistry with Jared Allen, where there's almost like a seamless fit right away where they're just functioning well in the pick and roll. And it's kind of a bread and butter play for the Cavs for Garland, for Allen to set a screen for Garland. And then they roll to the basket and throw a lob. Donovan Mitchell's not as willing of a lob passer. You see him try it a few times during the preseason and regular season. And it's just, it's tough because Evan Mobley missed almost the entire preseason and didn't play at Donovan Mitchell once during the preseason if it wasn't in camp because of the sprained ankle. And Wednesday night against Orlando, J.B. Bakerstaff more or less said that Evan Mobley is still kind of going through his preseason right now after the first four games of the season and is trying to find that offensive familiarity with Mitchell and kind of find the spots where they do and don't work together. And I asked Donovan about this after their home opening win over Washington, like, Hey, are you feeling comfortable with Evan out there? And he's just like, yeah, I do, but it's still a work in progress. And he's like, my goal more than anything is to be a different type of passer with these guys on the floor. So obviously like with Jared, like finds different spots that maybe Darius can't kind of get, or like the fact that he just kind of functions a little bit differently with Evan Mobley than Darius Garland does in terms of passing, because Jared Allen interestingly said that Darius is more of a straight shooting passer and Mitchell kind of more snakes and kind of holds onto the ball a little bit and does things a little bit more crafty. It's, it's an interesting function, but the Cavs kind of utilizing the spread pick and roll and the three point shooting aspect is just a product of them being so big on the inside. But I think it's, it's again, it's going to take time, but I think you just have 
a guy in Evan Mobley who's still raw and a little unrefined offensively, and like you still are trying to tap in and mold him into what you want him to be or what he's comfortable at. You have Jared Allen, who isn't the most high-maintenance star out of this core four, but he is the most consistent, I'd say, just because you're probably going to get a double-double or close to it from him every night in terms of points and rebounds. And then you just have Mitchell and Garland, who just got to figure out that balance. And I think it's going to be on the coaching staff to say, like, hey, we need to get more touches for Evan Mobley because before the game against Orlando on Wednesday, he was averaging single-digit touches, which is something you probably don't want for the guy who's going to be your franchise cornerstone in maybe two <laughs> or three years. So you noticed in this, the game, especially in the second half against Orlando, um, Mobley kind of came out a little more fired up. He was demanding the ball on certain possessions, which is which is rare for him because he's a very soft-spoken, just hardly speaks kind of guy and would rather just kind of play within the flow of the offense. And We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I think we're now going to see like maybe Mobley's not going to be a guy who averages like 25 plus a night. Maybe he's like more like 15 to 18 to 20 and then 10, 12, 11, 13 rebounds, a couple assists, two or three blocks and a steal or two a night. Like he's just such a complete player on both ends that it kind of is underappreciated and it's going to be tough. It's going to be interesting, but I think it's, it's just an interesting dynamic and a good problem to have for Cleveland. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as of right now, you talk about like your offense looking to to click, right, for Cleveland. And it's interesting that you guys are doing so well, more so. I would say that it's interesting. It's not shocking because you got Evan Mobley and Jarrett Allen. And, you know, those guys are helping your defense. As of right now, you know, looking at the net rating amongst the league, the Cavaliers are second in the league with a defensive rating of 
and with the Knicks uh, being eighth with 108.1. But conversely, the Knicks are a better scoring team right now, not by much. The Knicks' offensive rating is 116.6, with the Cavs being 114.4. And I think, as you mentioned, that's the Cavs trying to figure things out for the Knicks. Kind of a little shocking to me, considering that we have Tom Thibodeau as our head coach. I would thought mm-hmm. defense would have been the most prominent thing coming into this season, but it's not shocking because our perimeter defense has been a, has been lackluster so far because you got Jalen Brunson, who's been playing very well defensively. Like mm-hmm. He's been doing a good job. He's just been terrific. Awesome signing for the Knicks. But we have Evan Fournier as our starting uh, two guard. And that, plus I would say also RJ just with like backdoor cuts and, and so forth that just get – they just get attacked, losing their guys. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think for RJ, it's just like the adjustment of like making sure he's on the perimeter, trying to find his guys when they're relocating. But mm-hmm. definitely with Brunson and Fournier, that's been the that's been the point of attack. And you talk about three-point shooting. I see the Cavs going to try to exploit the three-point shooting because interior defense is bread and butter when it comes to Tom Thibodeau having a drop coverage type system and Mitchell Robinson. Mm-hmm. So going into this game, man, you know, I want to know your thought, your thoughts about these matchups. The ones that I'm highlighting for this game is Jarrett Allen and Mitchell Robinson uh, mm-hmm. at the center position. Power forward, Evan Mobley, he's nice. I'm looking at Julius Randle as the other one. And obviously Donovan Mitchell, I'm, I'm 100, I feel, I could say I'm 100% certain it's not going to be Evan Fournier on Donovan Mitchell. I think it's going to be RJ Barrett. So those I are agree. the three kind of matchups that I'm looking at for this game. Would you agree those, those would be the key matchups? Yeah, I would agree with that. I also Jalen Brunson is a bit of an X factor in this one too because he has been awesome for the next open this season. Like I love this signing for New York. Like I liked it at the time. I thought he was very good for Dallas, and I'm still shocked the Mavericks kind of let him walk away like that. But mm-hmm. either way, it's the Knicks are an interesting team where they kind of have similar positionally. Like in like with Mitchell and Allen, I agree with that. Um Mobley and Randall have some similarities, but they're also different players oh, just for sure. how they operate. But like they have it's a fun at matchup just because it, it's a challenge. Like Paolo Bancaro was a challenge for Evan Mobley yep. because that's a guy he has to defend in space more often than not. And Randall has just like a lot of multifaceted assets to his game where like you're asking your two guy to kind of step up and maybe shut down probably the second or third or fourth, second or third best player on the floor for New York that night. So it's an interesting task, but yeah, I agree definitely with RJ Barrett on Donovan Mitchell. It's that's, you're arguably your best perimeter defender. You want him defending the best perimeter player. If Darius Garland's available, it definitely makes this dynamic a little more interesting because mm-hmm. I think you're trying to maybe exploit uh, some of the issues Jalen Brunson has defensively, but more so the defensive issues that Fournier has. And then you like just try to work on the chess strategy here. And then offensively, if you're Cleveland, if you really want to keep Evan Mobley going, or if you want to keep Jared Allen going, like Mitchell Robinson is going to be an interesting challenge because he's a very good defensive big man who is kind of like Allen in that vein where he's low maintenance, but he provides you a lot of consistency on a night-to-night basis when it comes to blocks, rebounding, and just like easy putbacks and now scoring opportunities in the paint. It's going to be an interesting matchup, man. I, like Those are the top three matches that I see from, from this game. It's going to be interesting how it's going to be mixed and matching because, you got, as you said earlier, good three-point shooting team, and you want your de- you're talking about the defensive interior. That's kind of like <laughs> our, our like reverse for how we, we attack. So it'll be interesting to see how it all works out for for this for this upcoming game. Before I get you out of here, here Evan, and thank you for so much for your time. What do you? What is the final score for this game? I know you're going to choose the Cavs to win. But what do you think the final score is going to be? <laughs> I gotta let me think about this. Just because the Cavs are a good offensive team. Um, 
but the Knicks are scoring. They're the second best scoring wise team in the league. So this is interesting. So I'm going to say it's going to be more of a grind out rock fight, but it's going to be a little bit higher scoring. Maybe Cleveland wins 104 to 102 or 100 or something like that. It's going to be a close game. I think Okay, David is going to do a good job preparing this team. I think the Cavs, if they have Garland back, are going to have to kind of figure some stuff out versus a Knicks team who is fairly familiar with one another. And we didn't even talk about my guy, Isaiah Hartenstein, one of my favorite Cavs signings, like in the mid season, he's just such a fascinating player, but there's, it's just the Knicks kind of have continuity, which is something the Cavs don't, especially if Garland's back in there. And Mm -hmm. that could be something that the Knicks could take advantage of because Jalen Brunson is kind of a plug and play star here for you where he is, more low maintenance and it's easier to have the offense flow around him when you have guys that are just familiar with one another. So it's going to be a close one, but yeah, I'll be a homer here and say the Cavs uh, can nearly win this one out. I'm going to go 108-102 Knicks because I agree with you that's going to be a grinded out game. Both teams are good offensively, defensively as well. Um, it's going to be a great, it's going to be possession based. It's going to be who makes the, obviously the, the fewest mistakes coming down. You mm-hmm. mentioned that Jer- you may, you mentioned that uh, Jalen Brunson would be the X factor. And that's because you don't know if you're going to have Darius Garland. Is it Raul uh, Neto who's starting for you right now? No, it's Donovan Mitchell at the point. So well, it's, it's, playing it's shooting guard. Uh, Karis LeVert and then Dean Wade is starting at the three right now because Dean Isaac Okoro can't hit a three. So. Gotcha. 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 Okay. Okay. This will be an interesting matchup then. Yeah, yeah definitely. Is- this will be a very interesting matchup. And I think the last thing I'm going to talk about before actually now I realize it. Our bench units, man. We didn't even get to we didn't even get to discuss that before I get you out of here. Quick, mm-hmm. quick thoughts on the bench unit. You know, Knicks have been known for having a top bench unit with Derek Rose, Manuel quickly. Uh Camrush has been getting it, has been finding his rhythm as of late. His numbers aren't always going to show that, but I think defensively he's been solid and he's been mm-hmm. very efficient on the offensive end. You talk about Hartenstein, he's just been I mentioned on on the last post game for the Knicks, it's kind of like I always look at our starters and the bench as like Thunder and Lightning. Thunder being our starters, where they're ready to attack and just you know move a little bit more with like working the half court. They're showing a little bit a little bit more pace this season than they have previously by the way they 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 the way they just attack the open floor. But mm-hmm. I think of them as guys who are willing to attack the paint. And then our second unit, they just like to move fast, man. They like to shoot, move fast, yeah. running and gunning. That's why I go like. Thunder and Lightning, and with Hartenstein and Mitch, it's still like Thunder and Lightning because Mitch is the def- defensive guy. Hartenstein is more of an offensive guy. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be an interesting matchup where our bench unit is going to do a lot of scoring. How's your second? How's your second unit? Who's your second so, unit? Cleveland's second unit is a little interesting because if there is no Darius Garland, you could see more likely you'll see. Kevin Love for sure. You'll see Isaac Okoro at times. You'll see more Jetty Osman. Um, and then for like that ninth man spot, you might either see Hollywood Neto or you might see Robin Lopez, just depending on what JD Bickerstaff is feeling that night. Let's say like the, the Knicks run out lineups that feature more Obi Toppin, Isaiah Hart, Messiah Mitchell Robinson, and Julius Randle. That's probably going to mean you probably see more of Robin Lopez just as an extra big body to kind of protect the paint and protect the rim a little bit. So the, 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 the Nick or sorry, not the Knicks, the Cavs bench unit is more multifaceted where JD likes to stagger in a lot of starters with his bench units where it's not just solely the five reserves on the floor. So you see a lot of Jonathan Mitchell or you see a lot of Darius Garland playing with one of them, or you see a lot of Evan Mobley just acting as like 
the, the primary big man. So like, it's just a lot of tinkering and positioning and like the Cavs haven't fully figured out their rotation yet because one Garland's not back. And two, I think they're waiting for Ricky Rubio to see where he's at physically as well. After that ACL tear to kind of figure out the full rotation, but yeah, I think the Thunder and Lightning parallel for the Knicks is interesting. I just think the Cavs try to play like Lightning, but they're more slow like Thunder when they have those big men out there where they look to go fast. They look for fast break opportunities. You see Kevin Love trying to attempt dunks on the fast break, and it, he doesn't really have the uh, verticality. Young uh, young Kevin Love didn't have that verticality, but old Kevin Love definitely doesn't have that verticality. And it's funny because all the guys on the team say he's like 50 years old and wears hearing aids <laughs> on the floor. So um it's it's an interesting dynamic but the bench unit the Cavs have is probably not as elite as the Knicks and like we like IQ isn't out there yet for you guys and like you see more Derrick Rose you probably have a little bit of um Obi Toppin mixed in Isaiah Hartenstein like you have a lot of interesting pieces and like you said the Hartenstein's an interesting offensive hub like I could gush about him for 30 minutes because when he came to Cleveland and he almost had a triple double with points or no he had a quad double with points rebounds assists and blocks in a game um we asked him about a post game he's like I studied a lot of Nikola Jokic before I came here and like that playmaking stuff is just really fun and I'm glad he got paid I'm sure the Clippers wish they could have kept him but he's going to be really fun for the Knicks this year yeah I mean he was one of the main reasons that we took Memphis Grizzlies in into overtime. So it's going to be a fun matchup, man. I'm looking forward to it. Evan, thank you so much for coming on to the show and, and previewing this matchup. Please let our listeners know where they can find you and any work that you have coming out. Sure thing. I, uh, you can find me on Twitter or pretty much anywhere on social at am not Evan. Um, I'm on locked on cast five days a week. We'll be talking about this next game for, Monday's episode on Halloween. We'll also talk about the Celtics game on Friday and maybe look ahead to the Boston game on Wednesday as well. Uh, you can subscribe to my newsletter right down Euclid. I cover the Cleveland sports scene at large and I kind of espouse my opinion. I wrote a piece I really was happy with the other day um, about how the Cavs just kind of need to let Donovan and Mitchell cook. And it's just, it's been fun. It's a fun, it's fun when your basketball team's fun that you cover. It's fun when all the sports teams are kind of interesting in Cleveland. And I think it's just, fun to see like that again that this Sunday matchup between the Knicks and the Cavs is good it should, it should be a primetime afternoon slate if football wasn't out <laughs> for sure that's that's for sure there'll be a lot going on Sunday but once again Evan thank you for coming on and to Knicks Nation thank you all for tapping in make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys make sure to subscribe to the channel hit that notification bell and look if you didn't catch it on YouTube you can find it on all audio listening platforms Apple Spotify you name it we're all over the place you can go check us out anywhere. Make sure to go check out KnicksFanTV.com. Make sure to go check out Remy's recap after this game. Make sure to check out KnicksFanTV.com for all articles that we're publishing, all right? Make sure to support. Make sure to do all that. Support the channel. It only helps us. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Knicks Nation. We'll catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.